Welcome to another installment of the Whitaker Myers Wealth Managers What We Learned in the Markets This Week video. We aim to provide you, our valued clients, with a brief video giving you information that is helpful to your understanding of the markets from a biblical worldview with no financial agenda, which makes us uniquely different from the news media in America. This video is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make investment decisions. The clients of Whitaker Myers Wealth Managers may maintain positions in the securities discussed in today's video. All opinions discussed are solely those of John Mark Young and not those of Whitaker Myers Wealth Managers. So let's talk about the four things we learned in the markets this week, starting with point number one. And point number one is, isn't it ironic? That's an Alanis Morris song from back in the day. But isn't it ironic that we spent last week during point number two talking about the aggressive growth, which of course is our smaller and mid-sized companies, and how they've taken such a beating this year. And then this very next week, they respond to it so positively. It's kind of like last week they were, we were the coach for the small and mid caps. They were the players and we took them in at halftime and we told them, listen, you guys need to step it up because you're embarrassing us out there. And bada bing, bada boom, like a good team does, they perform, they respond. They responded to the coach. Well, I wish it was that easy that sometimes stocks just needed a pep talk. But alas, they respond to the markets, the economy, not to us or any advisor out there. So this week was marked by data around one thing that everyone's watching right now and for the last year, which is, of course, inflation, which we're going to talk about point number two, what that inflation data was that came out. But so far in November, we've seen the S&P 500, which, remember, is typically only part of your portfolio. It's not your whole. So don't expect the S&P to be your return because you, the S&P 500 is your growth and your growth in income. But we've seen the S&P 500 rebound 7.06% this year or, or this last month on the hopes that this positive data means that the Federal Reserve is done raising interest rates. As a matter of fact, the CME Group's FedWatch tool, the most preeminent option we have to estimate what the Federal Reserve is going to do, they think that on the May 1st, 2024 meeting, there is now a 50% probability we start lowering rates by a quarter percent. So they think in May next year when we start lowering rates, there's a common phrase with rate increases and it goes like this. You take the stairs up, but the elevator down. Meaning that when you're raising rate, it's typically done by a quarter percent, maybe half a percent because you're doing that in good economic times and you're trying to slow down the economy to not allow overheating and which would otherwise lead to aggressive inflation. Well, of course, this last cycle, we did not do that. We did not raise rates at all during our hot economy. And it forced the Federal Reserve to take the elevator up instead of down. They went quick up in terms of raising rates, which quite frankly has never been done at that pace before, like we saw. And its effects were the worst bond market since 1842, stocks having their worst year since 2008, and a few banks failing, and there would have been even more if the FDIC and the Treasury Department didn't step in. All that to say, it's probably likely we don't get these gradual rate drops that they're predicting. It'll be something economic that forces the Fed hands in lowering rates, such as the elusive recession we've all been able to avoid the last two years, uh, and those sort of things. So, I don't take a lot of weight on a quarter percent decrease. I think it's going to be more economically driven, which again is going to push us down fast, but we'll see. Another sign the markets have calmed this week, talked about last week, is the VIX. That's the measure of volatility and the fear in the markets. This week, that number continued to drop. It was 15 last week. It's now in the 14 range, closing near the lows of the year. And let's talk about our economic data we review each week to determine if the economy is humming right along 
or if there are signs of a slowdown. First, we look at the Atlanta Fed's GDP Now model. Now, remember, this is a tool to track the estimated economic growth in its current quarter based on data that is currently being released. So the freshest data coming into this to give us an idea of are we growing as an economy. This week, the number came in at 2%, which was down slightly from a week earlier after releases from the U.S. Census Bureau, the U.S. Labor Department, and the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, all putting data into that. As you can see, there's also no movement on the range of Wall Street economists and where they think the numbers are going to come in at. So they're just going to do what they did last quarter, gradually have to increase that as the data comes out. Next, let's take a quick peek at the 30-year mortgage rate, which has continued its climb down, dropping back to 7.44% this week, taking some pressure off the home buying and selling industries. And that's another reason why I think the economy is taking a little bit of a bend up, the markets are. Each week, we also look at the initial claims for unemployment insurance to see what's happening with people getting laid off and not being able to find new jobs, thus having to join the ranks of those receiving unemployment from the government for the first time. This week, we did see a spike in that number, but it's only up to 231,000 initial claims for unemployment. That's a spike, but that's a still historically low. As you can see on your screen, It's this whole year has been historically low. Now, as I mentioned last week, one item for consideration and not a positive consideration is the amount of people staying on that unemployment. We're just looking at the first time they claim, what if they stay? And when you look at those, those filing and then staying on unemployment uh, there, of course, what you want to do is you want to you want to get off unemployment as quick as possible because that's good for you and good for the overall economy. But as you can see, the, the continuing claims, those staying on unemployment insurance, they've hit a high for 2023 this week at 1.865 million. Now, what does that mean? Got to put that in context. This is right about where the number was right before the pandemic, right before everything fell apart in February of 2020. And that was the boom economy under President Trump. So any further jumps in this number would push us higher than the numbers were pre-pandemic. And that's a consideration for a slow airing and laboring market. Because even though you have low initial claims, people are just staying on it a little bit longer than we want them to. And of course, each week we look at the markets and what that was doing this last week. So let's look at the S&P 500. That's our proxy for growth and growth and in income, but only when taken together. And that was positive 2.24% this week. Next, the Russell 2000, which tracks small and mid-sized companies, or aggressive growth in our Dave Ramsey vernacular. That was positive. Whoop, get ready for this one. 5.43% on the week, making a strong comeback again, listening to that coach in the halftime speech. And finally, the MSCI IFA, which tracks international stocks in the developed markets around the world, excluding the U.S., that was positive 3.98% for the week. A good week all around, and the aggressive growth category takes the week which is what takes the cake for the week, excuse me, yeah, if I can talk, which is why we say you can't time this stuff up. You never know when that 5% week is coming, and it came last week, praise the Lord. Point number two, the reason when you were looking at those market returns you saw, there was a huge spike on Tuesday, was all in relation to the October inflation results that came out Tuesday morning and pushed the markets to the moon. The inflation rate continued its climb down, dropping to 32 and the core inflation rate, which excludes the volatile food and energy, that dropped to 4.03% annualized. Now remember, the Fed's target is 2%, and we've been consistently dropping to that number all year, as you can see on your screen. What drove some of the inflation drops this month? Well, prices for cars continue to go down. And those of you that like to travel or have to travel for business as we do, 
We saw airline prices start to drop as we come into a more normal demand for the airline services. Housing costs have been, shelter costs have been stubbornly high this year in the reports. And this recent report showed us that we saw milder growth in the cost of housing. That's a good sign, more impetus to see further declines in the coming months. Now, this probably provides you little solace because you've seen prices rise so dramatically the last two years, topping out at 9.1% in June of 2022. But the reality is that we are seeing slowing. And if that didn't happen, your trip to the grocery store today would have been even more expensive than it even is. So don't look on the pessimistic side, look on the optimistic side that it's coming down and the prices are stock starting to not raise as fast. Now, no doubt that the slowing and hiring you saw this last month and week has an impact on the inflation data, bring, helping bring it down. And you're starting to see Fed officials give a little bit of a hint that this report might be enough to give evidence to stopping their rate hikes, such as this last week, Fed Chair President Austin Gosby, he said in an interview, we may have brought down inflation as fast as it has ever come down, and we did that without starting a recession, end of quote. One interesting note I found when researching the topic um, in regards to inflation and the shelter costs was from Mid-America Apartment Communities. Now, they're an apartment complex uh, ownership group that owns about 100,000 apartment homes across 16 states and D.C. And they told the Wall Street Journal this last week that they've been lowering prices to attack, attract new tenants. Rents for existing tenants rose 5% in July through September, but rents for new tenants fell 2.2% from a year earlier. Now, just a year ago, we were seeing those new tenants, they were getting hit with a 13.7% increase year over year. So possibly one way to lower your housing costs if you're not in a home yet is to pursue a new lease at a new apartment should you be up for the task to move because those prices are starting to come down and there's starting to be a little more competition and a little less demand for that. As you work always, you know, you need to work the baby steps because those of us that own homes saw our rent increases happen at a 0% rate during the inflation period, assuming we didn't move because our mortgage payment always stays the same. That's why you got to work the baby steps and eventually get into housing, your own house. Point number three, have you ever heard of the Santa Claus rally? It's the assumption that every year at the end of the year, that tends to be the best time to invest because of the holiday cheer in the year. We're all just happy and optimistic and the general just, you know, good feeling among investors. According to Ned Davis Research, if you take the data back to 1987, the MSCI All Country World Index, which is similar to the index we used in point number one to track international stocks. This one just includes the US in the numbers instead of excluding it, which is what we want to do for international stocks. But this one includes it. And it shows that all the markets on average have returned about 4.4% between October through December, making it the most wonderful time of the year as it relates to the stock market. And for other reasons, of course, if you're a person of faith, a Christian. This year, there may be even more optimism considering that we've already discussed things above like the Federal Reserve not raising rates anytime soon. It seems inflation is starting to come down and the labor market is still staying positive, just not quite as white hot. And that's actually good. We don't want that white hot because that is going to force the Federal Reserve to raise rates. Now, one item to point out is perhaps we've already seen a lot of the holiday cheer in regards to the markets. The S&P 500 currently is trading at an 18.7 times multiple. And that's just a phrase for how much earnings you're getting per dollar of stock you're paying for. It's a way to tell if the stock market is expensive or not. Now, a lot of that's coming from the Magnificent Seven, 
that have given most of the returns for the S&P 500 this year. Those stocks are Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon, NVIDIA, Tesla, and Facebook or Meta. And, and they're all up anywhere between 45% and 237% this year. Now, to compare that, the worst sector of the economy this year has been the usually safe utility stocks. And they're actually down 10%. They're negative 10% on the year. So the price to earnings multiple, 18. But if you take out the magnificent seven we just talked about, and they're, by the way, their PE is around 41, you could make an argument that that's actually low for some of those stocks, considering their future growth prospects. But the S&P 500 being at a equally weighted S&P 500, not not uh, take out the size effect of the magnificent seven, and you come to a PE of roughly 15. Now, what can continue to help those numbers? Increase on the earning side of the price to earnings equation. Price to earnings. You need earnings to go up to keep the price going up. Right now, the S&P 500 companies have, had, have mostly reported all their earnings results for the third quarter, and we have NVIDIA next week, of course. That's going to be an exciting one. And we have more than 80% of them beating expectation, and that is the highest amount of beats since the second quarter of 2021. So perhaps we are in for even more of a Santa Claus rally than we've already seen through the month of November. And it's been good through the month of November. And finally, point number four, let's dive into the stocks that made news this week. The first one is Target has had a pretty rough year. Just like Anheuser-Busch, because of some woke ideology that they pushed in their stores, uh, that came to their own peril in regards to their stock price. However, they're coming out of it slowly with the Walmart competitor, Target, posting better than expected earnings results this last week, and the stock surged 18% on Wednesday. That was actually its best day since 2019, and because Walmart didn't have as good of an earnings result, they were actually down about 8%. Now, how about the U.S. airline manufacturer, Boeing? They also had a pretty good week when they announced that uh, Emirates Airline would buy 95 wide-body jets. Now, there's more demand for global travel in Dubai and their regional area, which is why they have a need for these planes. The Emirates, while not disclosing the terms of the deal, did say the jets are going to be worth about $52 billion. Now, there have been many startups that have tried to compete with Elon Musk, and they have all failed. As a matter of fact, because of the push to electric vehicles, one pretty popular former auto analyst who's still in the active in the financial community, just more broad today, he thinks in 10 years, it'll just be Toyota and Tesla left standing. All the other automakers will be gone. However, this week we did hear from an electric vehicle maker, Fisker, and they delivered their results and they were very, very disappointing. Their loss was wider than anticipated and they said they can only produce 13,000 to 17,000 vehicles. While early in the year, they told the markets they were hoping to produce around 20,000 at this point in time. And finally, Home Depot, they had a pretty good week. They reported earnings. They beat expectations thanks to higher expected sales and higher expected profits. They did mention, though, because of higher interest rates and perhaps a fear of what might be coming economically, although not from this video series. We haven't been saying anything like that. But their, their, their consumers are starting to pull back on some DIY home improvement projects and some other big ticket purchases. So they feel their sales may not be as strong going into 2024. But good earnings result this week, and that pushed the stock price up higher. So hopefully the four things we learned in the markets this week were helpful to you. If they were, would you do us a favor? You can do us a favor by helping us with Google, YouTube, and Rumble's algorithms by hitting the like button. The like button just helps to promote our videos to more people. And you can hit the subscribe button. The subscribe button will help 
when our content gets released, you to be the first to get it. As well as if you'd like to schedule a meeting with any of our financial coaches who help you in baby steps one, two, and three, get out of debt, stay out of debt, and live debt-free, Have and also hold you accountable to those goals. Or our financial planners and, and advisors who will help you in baby steps four, five, and six, build a plan, build out that baby step four, get that 15% saved, build out a strategy to help project into the future, help make sure you're doing the right things from a insurance standpoint, getting that term insurance put in place, or maybe that disability policy, or maybe thinking about your will or trust or any of those sort of things that you need to do in your financial planning regimen. They will help you think through that and, and execute upon those activities. You can hit the schedule a button meeting in the comment section and get connected with any of them right now today. So thanks so much for watching this video. We'll look forward to seeing you next week.